Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G, U corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready, right. Now here's your host, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42. Blue 42. <laughs> Danny said number two. Like he was Dr. Evil there. Brock Heward, how are you now? Good morning. Good morning, Paul. No, I go half. Uh, on the old Clippers fade. Oh, you yeah, tell them to fade it, give it to you a half? Yeah, give me a half on tighter the Tighter than one. Uh, yeah, tighter than one. Not a zero. Right in between. Is a lefty is. Is a middle child lefty is. And then just, I don't know, about an inch off the top, half inch off the top. So keep it simple, stupid. That's what I've done. How long did your haircut take? It was like 15 minutes yesterday. This gal is fast now. She's a hiker. She she hikes a lot of the a lot of the big mountains, and I think she just cuts hair so she can get to the hiking, and she cuts hair really fast so she can hike even faster. Wow. Yeah, I would say whew, less than seven minutes. Yeah. That includes the eyebrows, too. What? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, she's quick. Seven minutes, man. Okay, so my you guy. You seen the high school beggar last night at the grocery store, too. Fastest hands west of the Mississippi. Um, Never seen someone so quick. This guy took oh, so much pride in being the fastest scanner of any groceries. So yeah, it was a speedy yeah. day for me yesterday. Your your how long is your haircut, Paul? Uh, minutes, takes 30? takes takes a while. takes Takes about an hour. And honestly, I'm kind what? of bummed out because I'm going to. <laughs> well, no, the guys the guys great. The guys great. I mean, what? it's it's well worth it. Why are you laughing? An he actually he, he pays pays attention. There's detail. That's how long it takes to cut my hair, Paul. Well, oh my have you seen my locks? They grow so thick on the side. It's really difficult. It's a difficult fade upwards. I don't understand why you guys are laughing here. I, I and also I take offense, Brock. You saying that somebody's faster than me not only at running but at bagging. So uh, I'll just hostily ask the first question <laughs> yes. uh, on this show. Uh, what would be your biggest holdup before a Jamal Adams extension? Did you mention yesterday those shoulder injuries? He had shoulder surgery on both his shoulders this this offseason. Uh, are there any other obstacles that would keep you from giving Jamal Adams that extension? No, I think it's on him. And, you know, I was reading, um, is it Joel Corey, the agent, had a pretty good little piece talking about how the Seahawks do their deals, the amount of guarantees, the, the length of those guarantees, how big of a signing bonus. And, and I'm sure Jamal wants it now and wants an enormous signing bonus. Russell got an enormous signing bonus but stayed within the structure of the contract. I think Bobby has the next biggest signing bonus on the team, and it was just a hair under $20 million. So I, my, my hunch is the holdup is a bunch of structural stuff. Danny, you talk about the average per year. You can move mm-hmm. that around. You can float that around a little bit. You can make that look any way at times you want to. I think this is about absolute maximizing the guaranteed dollars when I sign my name. So if I blow this labor out again, or I, I have a career, unfortunately, like Cam's, it's cut short. I've got all this guarantee money now, and I think that's what he's after and, and frankly, why we haven't heard much about it. Now, that can change. It can change in an instant. That can change if he's out there for mandatory minicamp and they actually sit face-to-face and have an opportunity to do so over the next couple days. And, and let's hope it does. Let's hope that deal gets done because it will actually lower his salary cap, provide a little bit more money, and then maybe the possibility for one of these deals for a D. Lyman or Stephon Gilmore or somebody else. Yeah, that's one thing people don't realize is they think, like, hey, do they have cap room? No, actually, the cap's his cap hit's probably going to go down when he gets an extension. I I think the deal's going to get done. I think it's just going to get hairy for the next month and a half because yep. 
Jamal's going to want to be paid not as the top safety, but as one of the top defensive players. And the Seahawks, much like they were with Earl Thomas, are like, we think you're one of the best safeties and we're going to pay you as the best safety. But you're still going to be What does your card say, Jamal? What does your card say? What did it say in high school? What did it say at LSU? What did it say in has said in the NFL? What are you? I'm a safety. Yeah, and I realize you rush the passer and and in some ways as well are better than any safety in the history of this league. I I do realize he played a couple hundred snaps inside the box at a quote-unquote linebacker position coming down in some of those nickel fronts. I understand he played a little bit in the the slot, almost as a a nickel at times, uh, covering tight ends and others. I get that. But what is your position? You're a safety. That, that, that's what you are. That is who you are. And you are fortunate, in my mind, to play for a coach in this league who covets safeties, who loves safeties more than any other coach in this league. There, there's not an equal, save for maybe the guy in New England. They, Pete, Pete loves safety play and knows how imperative it is to his team. It's why he wants to pay you more, more than likely, any safety that's ever played this game. But that's what you are. You're a safety. You mentioned that word fortunate. I think he realizes that. I, I don't think it's going to get hairy. Everything that we have heard from Adams over this time that he's been in Seattle has painted Seattle in such a rosy light. And, I mean, I think we've heard the same from Carlos Dunlap, who is totally okay taking a giant pay cut this offseason and re-signing with the team. Well, so a couple things that, on that. I mean, so Dunlap, that Dunlap, that. Yeah, Dunlap felt the market. Okay, the market told Carlos what he was worth. So it didn't have to be the Seahawks. He, he was able to, to kind of feel that out. And you know what, Paul? You know who else was kumbaya with the Seahawks and loved Pete? Uh, Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Richard does, Sherman. Does Earl Thomas count? And all those guys. Yes. And, and then when it got to their business, Paul, when it got to their money, then you heard. Then the hair came out. And I'm with Danny. I think it will. If this deal doesn't get done... Uh, I think it could get a little hairy and won't be surprised if you hear, hear a little bit of noise from Jamal's camp. I will say this. Seattle has an incredible track record in getting these deals done. They do. Yep. At multiple positions with multiple different players with multiple different personalities. I don't really doubt whether or not it's going to get done. I think we're just going to have to buckle up. I think we're just because you know why, up. parents? Hey, parents out there, those of you that have kids, you know why? They've done a remarkable job of getting this done because they've been consistent. Because this is the framework. This is the deal. And it doesn't matter if you're Bobby Wagner or Russell Wilson or Tyler Lockett. This is the deal. This is the structure of the deal. And when you have those ground rules and those foundational elements, guess what? Deals get done. Because players realize, geez, if even Russell will do a deal like this and structure it in this way, in the way that the team desires, maybe I should do the same too. Ran out of music. Question two. All right, Brock. All right, Danny. We're going to talk to you on Thursday next. We will have two days of of mandatory minicamp. Who are you hoping generates the most buzz? Who do you want to be glowing about on Thursday? I want headlines and a story written about the 2020 stars. The Jordan Brooks and Daryl Taylor have emerged as growing voices, growing presences, and growing stars in that front seven. That's the headline I want to see. Because I still believe when push comes to shove, this is a line of scrimmage game. You saw it in the Super Bowl a year ago. Shaq Barrett and and crew for Tampa Bay, those linebackers that can run like the wind, Devin White, right? Those guys that can run and hit. And that is why Jordan Brooks and Daryl Taylor were drafted in the first 50 picks. 
in 2020. They are built like a freaking brick house, and they need to have that kind of movement, that kind of impact. Obviously, they're not in pads. They're not hitting, but their speed should show up in mighty ways over this mandatory three-day minicamp. That speed side of it. I want to hear those things. I do wonder, though, whenever we see those headlines, just how much stock to put into them. Because some Brock, I've been like keeping tabs on some of the more ridiculous headlines that I have seen coming out of camp every single day. Uh, yesterday, my favorite ones, Jared Stidham, my goal is to be the starting quarterback in New England. And uh, Shaquille Griffin, it's insane to see what Trevor Lawrence is doing already, even though he's... He's not doing really anything this week because he's got a hamstring injury. Can I give you a couple more? Yes. Dak Prescott in Dallas has said that Ezekiel Elliott ah! is is in the best shape of his life. This is my favorite because we've heard that like 30 times at least and, on and Ezekiel how about Elliott. Mis- how about Mr. Grumpelumpagus, Bill Belichick on Cam Newton, quote, Cam's way ahead of where he was last year. There's no question about that, end quote. <laughs> well... <laughs> Gotta be somewhere. Well, this will be the final week of it, right? I think the hay will be in the barn, 25 mandatory camps this week. So, yeah, you'll get a few more uh, days of these headlines and these stories. And then it wraps up and everything points to training camp. But that, that would be the hope is those two stay on the field. Obviously, Jordan battled a little bit of injury a, a year ago, nicked up just a little bit. Uh, Daryl's injury history is well documented. The more those guys are on the field, the faster they can play, the more of an impact they'll have in 2021. And with the veterans around them, with the Bobby Wagners, with the Carlos Dunlaps, with the Kerry Hyders, with those guys around them, if those two are special, your front seven takes a big step. Question number three. We know the Kansas City Chiefs have a really fast wide receiver core and that everyone's probably playing a bit of catch-up with them. Will Fuller had this to say about the Miami Dolphins wide receiver core this offseason. You can't teach speed. They obviously added Will Fuller. They drafted Jalen Waddell. Mm-hmm. Where do you think, Brock, the Seahawks wide receivers rank in terms of overall speed now that they add Dwayne Eskridge to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf? Probably league average. I mean, DK is, is world-class, and we saw that as he tried to compete in the 100 meters. Tyler, at this stage, is not the high 4-4 guy that he once was, but his play is so fast. He understands route running. There's an absolute just grace and efficiency with what he does. Eskridge is a rookie, and, and yeah, on, on paper he can go, and from all accounts on the field, he, he does look pretty fast. But beyond that, then where do we go? Freddie Swain, John Ursua. I mean, those are three pretty good, one elite, two pretty good. Then what? I mean, I'm not seeing Paul Gallant's 4-9 out there. I'm not, I'm not seeing well, that out four, there. 484. Eight, 484. Uh, four, <laughs> four, so, uh, so I, yeah, I would say so many of these teams around the league kind of in the model, right? The Denver Broncos tried to do what the Kansas City Chiefs did and the Oakland Raiders with Henry Ruggs and their crew. I mean, there's some, there's some lightning quick guys. Pittsburgh got a few that can run, you know, the ones you just mentioned there. Uh, in Miami, I mean, sheesh, Jalen Waddell is super quick and fast. So I would say probably, you know, right there in the middle. They're certainly not one of the slower ones. I don't think they're elite, elite, one through five or six, but they've got some guys that can get down the field, and Russell, as we know, throws it better down the field than anybody else. How important is the third receiver slot? In this system, Danny, it's pretty darn important. I mean, it, what now, whether that is going to be a receiver all the time mm-hmm. or whether that's going to be Gerald Everett. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and that's another name to kind of keep an eye on. I believe he was their first free agent signing, was he not? 
Yes, he was the first guy that they went after. Which always tells you a little bit of uh, something of, of what exactly they're looking for and that skill set they want. And and so whether it is going to be a, an a, you know eleven personnel with with three wideouts and a wideout in that slot, or it's going to be twelve personnel, it's going to be two tight ends with Chris Carson and a wideout in that slot. And you know we we've watched the Rams at times maximize that right with Everett, with Higby, with their tight ends. So. It, I would say, Danny, overall, that positional slot is very, very important. Who it, who it is personnel-wise playing it, I think you're going to see a mix of some, some guys. I think you'll see Tyler in that slot on third downs, just as Cooper Cup was because of the relationship he's got with, with Russ. I think you're going to see Eskridge try to blow down the middle of the field and utilize and maximize that amazing speed he has. And I won't be surprised if you see Gerald Everett a bunch in that spot in matchup opportunities against linebackers and safeties. It's, I mean, we really should consider that third wide receiver slot a starter because teams most often, that's their most common personnel grouping is to have three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. Yep. Maybe this year we'll see more, is it 12 personnel or is it 21, Brock, when you have two tight ends? Yeah, it always starts with the running backs is the first 12. More, so we'll see more 12 personnel. I think so. I, I think you I think you will. And, and they drafted uh, you know Parkinson a year ago. He's, he's an intriguing guy that could play also in that slot a little bit. Highly athletic guy. Great bounce. Beat up a year ago. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, Mr. Waldron certainly made that presentation very, very clear to Pete and John. The benefits of it. And I think that's why Gerald Everett was target number one in free agency as well. That is Blue 42. Brock, did you see Kawhi Leonard's dunk last night? Ooh, I did not. Oh, Derek Favors just wrecked him. It's 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 something else. Like when you dunk on a little dude, when you dunk on a little dude, I always there's a little bit of sympathy I feel for the little guy where I'm like, yeah, you went up and you should you deserve more points. When you dunk on a big dude, like when you yeah. wreck a big dude, there's just kind of all oh, you ended him. Yeah. Oh, that on, poor man. That poor man. Lister. Yeah. That was that was no good for Alden. Uh, you know, it, Kawhi is a, an interesting one. People always say, oh, LeBron James is a football player or, oh, Carl Malone is a football player. Different guys through the years. The way Kawhi Leonard moves, man, and his hands and the strength of those hands, Kawhi Leonard will be the nastiest tight end in the NBA. I, I don't know if there'd be, I, I don't know if he would love football. I don't know how much he would, would kind, of, kind of covet the contact. A lot of but, load management with him. Uh, but as far as like the you watch him play and the and how he plays and the leverage with which he plays in those hands that are freakishly enormous and strong and powerful, like that. Yeah, sign sign me up. Put Kawhi in that slot as well. I think uh, I'd like to see that. That is Brock Heward. He's going to be recording his podcast, Brock and Sulk. That will be posted later today. Brock, we'll talk to you on Thursday, and hopefully we're talking about Daryl Taylor and, and Jordan Brooks, the stars of the 2020 draft class, coming to play this year. That would be good. Look forward to it, boys. That is Brock Heward, and you can hear him with us Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday for Blue 42.